Amen. It's a great song. And actually, uh, I love the image that is there where it says how beautiful the hands that serve the bread and the wine. And the first thought there is with communion. But actually, if you really look deeper, that, that song is not about communion. Serving the bread and the wine is bringing the body and the blood of Jesus Christ to the world that is broken around us. What an incredibly beautiful song. Well, it is great to have each of you with us today as we close out the summer, and clearly fall is very quickly coming upon us. Even this week, I think there was a day where the temperature was only in the 70s, which is almost unheard of in August. Students are back in school as a parent. I celebrate that very much. Um, our WANA program is about to kick off. Football is in the air, and you can hardly drive in Clemson anymore. So we know that it's that time of year, but we are really glad to have each of you with us today. I do want to take a moment and do a little self-promotion here. Beginning next Sunday, I will be starting a series that is simply entitled, You Asked For It. The primary purpose of this series is to address some of the more difficult issues and questions that are often asked in a church, but specifically answering them from a biblical perspective. Some of the topics that will be addressed include things like depression and spiritual purity or sexual purity, political unrest, and then a few other things that often we're afraid to talk about in the church. But clearly the scriptures give us a recipe on how to handle these things. So we ought to be talking about it from the church. So we will beginning next Sunday. And if you can be here, we invite you to come be a part of it. I believe it will be an incredible blessing to you. Well, someone recommended a book to me this week, and it's not unusual for people to recommend books, but it is a little bit unusual for me to pick it up and immediately feel like I have to read through the entire book. And this was a, one of those books. I have not completed it, uh, but I have read enough of it to know that I love what it has to say. I'm going to do something a little bit unusual to start today. I want to recommend to you that if you can, go get this book and read it. What makes this unusual is the fact that it is primarily written for those who are in pastoral ministry. So you say, well, why are you telling us about it? It also, the general premise behind it is one that would go far beyond those who are in ministry, but for all those who are in the body of Christ. The title of the book is Replenish. Leading from a Healthy Soul by a guy named Lance Witt. That's W-I-T-T. Um, and I would highly recommend it to you. I'll share a few bits and pieces from that today in my sermon as we look at God's heart for each one of us. But I won't spoil the whole book for you this morning. A verse that has become a theme verse for me over the past year or so uh, comes from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. In fact, we even have a plaque that's out in our foyer uh, that has that verse on there. I've tried to use it as a lens for everything that I do, whether I'm at church or at home or any other place that the Lord might take me. Uh, I would recommend, if you can, it's a great verse for you to memorize. As it is incredibly valuable uh, for everyday practical living. That's Micah chapter 6, verse 8. I've preached from it a number of times, and I want to begin there again today. The prophet Micah is speaking, and he, he begins by posing a question 
for the audience. He then goes on to answer the question for them. Listen to what he says in Micah 6.8. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I believe that if a child of God will faithfully walk in accordance with this passage, they will never, ever struggle with their spiritual walk. Now, that's a really bold statement because the reality is there are going to be some really difficult things that come across our paths, even if we're focused on Jesus Christ with everything that we have, even if we act justly, we love mercy, and we walk humbly with our God, there's still going to be junk that happens in our lives. It's a part of us living in a fallen world. However, when that junk comes in, if our eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ, if we are acting justly, if we are loving mercy, and we are walking humbly with our God, we will have what it takes to stand in the midst of all of the junk. Think about it for a minute. If an individual is acting justly, they will naturally be kind to others. They will be honest They will work hard. They won't steal or kill. If an individual were to love mercy, they will be concerned for the broken in our culture. They will consider the needs of others before they consider their own needs. They will more quickly forgive, knowing that they themselves have been recipients of mercy in the past. And when we walk humbly with our God, we will be able to trust that God's way truly is the best way. We'll gladly take a back seat, giving God the glory instead of taking it upon ourselves. And we will be attentive to the need to continually refocus on Christ. You see, the assumption is that you came to church on a Sunday morning, so you likely somewhere along the way have made a decision to follow Christ. And you have chosen to seek him out, hopefully above everything else. But you know what? I just talked about a world that's full of junk. And sometimes what happens is the junk begins to blind us to what we're supposed to truly be looking at. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Far too many of us have allowed our eyes to be fixed on something other than Jesus Christ. When we walk humbly with our God, it causes us to continually recognize the need to refocus. When that other stuff starts to get in the way, don't let that become your attention, the thing that you're, you're drawn to. Instead... Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. It is this last item that I want us to deal with today. As children of God, we must continually refocus on Christ. Failure to do so will lead to an ugly and dangerous place that far too many of us have been in. In the book Replenish, Lance Witt uses a stage to help connect with the lives of the reader. Now remember that this book is primarily addressed to pastors, but I think that we can all relate to what he's saying. Now, there are different parts of every stage, and the parts he focuses on are front stage and backstage. I want to start this morning with front stage, as it's what most people see each Sunday morning. 
before the pastor stands up to preach, the front stage, which is all of this, has been used by multiple individuals. When Richard gets up to read the scripture, he typically will come up here on the platform and there is this idea that because it's up here, there's a position of authority. So Richard comes up on the platform to read the scripture. We pray and typically we'll lead the prayer time from up here on the platform. The worship leaders, the choir, they get up and they sing. And you know what? It looks like it's supposed to look. Before anyone even walked in the room, we did some things to make sure that the front stage looked the way it's supposed to look. You don't have trash laying around. Nobody left their coffee cup sitting up here where you can see it. And what happens is we go through and we make sure that everything looks good and polished and everything is the way it's supposed to be because we want to give everybody a good outward impression. But backstage will typically look very different. Our intention is that it will remain clean and everything will be put in its proper place. But the truth is that sometimes things are out of place. And when they are, nobody will ever know it except for those who are on the leadership team. The worship band might lay their personal belongings down behind the stage, and again, nobody will see it. There might be an item or two that wasn't supposed to be on the front stage, so we picked it up and we set it back there, and again, nobody knows that it's there because we were more worried about guarding the front stage. The result is that it may not look back there as polished and clean and neat as we try to make the front stage appear. The problem with this is that what happens backstage will eventually impact what happens front stage. Now let's connect this image of front stage versus backstage to our daily Christian lives. As pastors and Christians in general, we want very much for people to see the front stage side of us. We want to be seen as polished, spiritually mature, and happy to serve individuals. We dress up on Sunday mornings and we put on our big smile. We want people to see all of the good that is present in our lives. But for many pastors, and I fear many who sit in the congregation, the truth is that the backstage is far less healthy and polished. Behind our smiles and appearances, there is often brokenness, sin, and regret. Going back to Micah chapter 6, verse 8, we're not walking humbly with our God. Instead, we're pretending to be something that we're not. We are broken people in need of God's help. Even though everyone else may look at you and think everything's great, you know that the brokenness is present. It's one of the reasons why so many people struggle with hypocrisy. They're not trying to pull one over on everybody else. They're just ashamed of the dark, messy, dirty backstage which exists in their lives. It's almost like when I invite you over to my house. I'm really glad to have folks come over and visit, especially if you've been invited. Um, I love having individuals show up. There have been times we've had people just show up and, you know, you have no idea, no planning whatsoever, and your first thought is, my house is a mess. 
well, if I know you're coming, what we'll do is we'll try to clean up the house and make sure everything looks good so that it's, it's very presentable. But often what we'll do is, especially if we didn't have enough time to get ready for it, what we'll do is we'll just close one or two of the doors, you know, and we realize something's out of place, so we, we throw it back there in that room, and nobody sees what's behind that door. It's not because I'm not happy you're there. I'm really glad to have company, but there are just certain things I don't want everybody else to see. And I think spiritually speaking, that exact same thing happens, unfortunately, almost every Sunday and probably Monday through Saturday as well. Where often what we do is we put on display all of the good and we try to pretend like the bad just isn't there. Well, I'll just tell you, if you see doors that are closed in my house when you come to visit, you don't want to see what's on the other side of those doors. It's messy. It's dirty. My wife does a great job, by the way, so it's not her fault. It's my kid's fault. I just want to make that really clear. (laughs) So let me just ask you real quick before we move any further. What does your backstage look like this morning? If you have allowed the filth and the sin and all of the things that you know don't belong, that you would be ashamed if everyone else knew that it was there, something needs to be done. Romans 10 verse 14 and 15 poses a series of questions that indirectly speak to this backstage I had Richard read it to you earlier, but I want to read it again, and you've probably never heard it read in this context before, so listen to it if you would. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, I don't want to take anything out of context here, uh, so let me just clearly state the primary purpose of this passage is to drive the church, to call the church to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the broken world around us. The focus here is supposed to be on evangelism, but looking beneath the surface, we actually see a recipe on how to clean up the backstage. Consider this for a moment. Our backstage is often filthy because of sin and brokenness. The unfortunate reality is that the rest of the world can actually relate very well to that. Do you think that Christians are the only ones who put on a strong front stage image? who work really hard to make sure everybody else thinks that they've got it all together, they're good, they're strong, they have everything that they need. Absolutely not. Actually, we live in a world where we have been taught that we must look strong and we must look healthy, and if we don't, then something must be wrong with us. You have no idea how many people have said to me, I just need to clean up my act. I'm not talking about people in the church talking about individuals outside of the church. They know that their backstage is filthy. And for too many of them, they have seen the filth of the backstage begin to appear on the front stage. They've become like the Pharisees whom Jesus addressed in Matthew 23, 27. Listen to what Jesus said. Woe to you, 
teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. The point is that they look good on the outside, on the front stage, but they're still full of death on the inside, in the backstage. Another way to look at this is that they have become like the church in Sardis. The uh, first three chapters of the book of Revelation is a series of letters, seven letters to seven different churches. God is addressing those churches, and as he addresses them, he celebrates them at times, but at other times, he calls them out for their sin, and then he tells them how to fix it, what they can do to make things right. Well, in Revelation 3, verse 1, we see the church at Sardis being addressed. And it tells us that they have a reputation of being alive. But, he adds, you are dead. In other words, it's just a show. They look good on the front stage, but full of death backstage. They need to do something about their backstage, but what can they do? Maybe they could just try harder, or maybe they could add something good to their lives, and somehow that will make up for all of the bad that already exists. I'm I'm not saying that these are bad ideas. I'm just saying it doesn't work. Adding more good things doesn't clean up the filth that exists in your backstage. Deciding I'm going to start going to church does not fix all of the brokenness and the sin that is present in your life. Deciding to serve in a ministry does not all of a sudden clean up the junk that you've left there from years of sin and brokenness. Just adding good things does not make things right in your life. It just makes things more cluttered. Trying harder doesn't fix the things that are broken already. They're already broken. They can't fix what's going on backstage. But verse 14 of our passage here in Romans talks about one who can. How can they call on the one that they have not believed in? How can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? The one that we're talking about here is Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can clean up their brokenness and their sin. And the same is true for us. You say, well, I'm already a Christian, so this doesn't really apply. Absolutely, it applies. Every single day, we must once again refocus on Jesus Christ. Because what happens is far too often sin creeps in and we may keep it in the backstage so nobody else knows about it and everybody else may think we're okay. But the truth is, we need Jesus Christ to come in and take that which is broken and to take that sin and offer forgiveness and healing. He is the only one who can clean up our brokenness and sin. I wonder if I am the only one here today who needs to clean up some things backstage. The only way to make that happen for me to once again walk, is for me to once again walk humbly with my God. What that means is I need to begin by becoming transparent with God. You know, 
It's kind of ironic. Sometimes we, uh, it's almost like we're afraid to admit to God that we have sinned. But we believe that he is omniscient, which means he knows everything. Which It's really kind of funny that we would withhold anything from him because he already knows about it. We don't want to talk about where we've fallen short and where we've allowed sin to take place in our lives. But God knows all about it long before we ever did. He was just waiting for us to realize it. Maybe it's time for some of us to become a little more transparent with God. God, I have failed. God, I need your grace. I need you to come in and take that which is broken and to make it whole again because I can't fix it myself. I need you to take some of the things that are in my backstage. I need you to throw it away because I don't want those things to work their way out to front stage. I don't want it to be a part of who I am. We need to seek God and his forgiveness. We need to cling to the words of James when he says that if we draw near to God, then God himself will draw near to us. We need to ask, we need to seek the Lord with all of our heart and stop leaning on our own understanding. We need to start over with the backstage. I know there's stuff that's always going to be back there, but maybe it's time to clean house. A great way to look at these two stages is this. What happens on the front stage can be driven completely by the head. In other words, you know how you're supposed to act. You know the things that you're supposed to do because you, you know it in your head. You know, you see other people living in a certain way and you think, well, that's what a Christian's supposed to look like. And you can have a head knowledge of what it is to be a child of God. Many times when we talk about front stage, I can look good because I know that's exactly what you want to see. I can give that impression based on what I know up here. Backstage, though, is not as much about the head, although it does impact the head. Backstage is much more about the heart. You see, what happens is whatever happens in the heart will eventually flow out to the head and to everything else about us. So when the heart is right with God, then it makes sense that good things will flow from the individual. When an individual allows sin to reign in their lives, it makes sense that sin is what will flow out of them. The brokenness that exists in the backstage will come forward. It's just a natural thing. We'll turn it around. When I put my heart right with God, when I begin to seek Him with, without any limits... All of a sudden, the same things that God's doing in my heart ought to be what comes out on the front stage as well. You see, what happens backstage is the heart. And I'm going to tell you, God is far more interested in your heart than he is anything else. Because it feeds everything else. I told you earlier that when the backstage is filthy, it will eventually work its way out to the front stage. And God desires to put good things backstage so that it will come out in the front stage as well. And that's where this front stage sharing comes into play. If you look in your bulletin, the notes, um, when your heart is right with God, you will naturally be drawn to doing the work of God. Our passage speaks of those who preach, those who send, those who bring good news to the lost. You know, Jesus wasn't the only teacher in his day. I read a passage to you earlier where Jesus was addressing the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. 
John the Baptist was a teacher. He was a good teacher, apparently. He was a little, a little bit odd. He was one of those who dressed a little bit different than probably what we would want to typically be around. But he had a great message. The Pharisees and these other religious leaders that were talked about in Matthew, these were people who were well-respected for their position. So people would listen to them when they spoke. But there was something missing as they spoke. They were really good at telling people about their brokenness, telling people about how bad they were and the consequences that would come because of their sin and brokenness. They were good at relaying information, but they seemed to lack the ability to lead people to change. It's almost like I could stand up here and tell you, you guys are all sinners and you're going to hell. Thank you and go and have a nice day. That's generally the idea that that was present. They could speak great information that was probably true, but it was incomplete. Consider the difference between these teachers of the law and these Pharisees and then Jesus Christ. We read in Mark chapter 1 verse 22, it says, the people were amazed at his teaching, his being Jesus. The people were amazed at Jesus's teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Apparently, he spoke confidently, bringing a hope that other people, other teachers weren't bringing. Imagine that you've been told for years that you're sick, you're filthy with sin. Imagine how much joy and peace it would bring to finally hear that there is a way out. That there is a way for you to be transformed, to be changed, to be made new. There was a cure. Well, Jesus not only taught of a cure, he would become the cure for their sin and their brokenness. Now, we live in a world that is broken and filled with sin. We live in a world that is desperately in need of a cure. And as we are called to go out and to bring this good news to this broken, sinful world. It is not a message of condemnation, although there is the realization. It's a fact that Jesus Christ will come back. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every individual will come before the Lord and will be judged. That is a fact. But that is useless information if we do not also recognize that God has made a way for us to be cured, to be forgiven, to love mercy. You see, that's what God does, is He loves mercy. And He has made it possible for us to become agents of that mercy, bringing hope and grace and peace to a broken and fallen world. When we ourselves are right with God, it makes sense that we would become God's tool to bring others to that same place. When we have experienced that brokenness and that sinfulness and all the filth that is associated with it, and to know that God would deliver us, man, what a great and merciful God that he would do that for us. If he could do it for me, and somehow I could help you. Or you, or you to reach that point. Man, I want to do it. Because he was too good for me. So it probably, probably means he's going to be too good for you too. Because he loves you that much. 
See, the reality is God desires that we be able to take the same good news. I was talking with someone, I guess it's been a couple weeks ago, we were uh, talking about, uh, actually, all right, I'll say it. We're talking about police officers. You guys know I'm a chaplain for the Clemson Police Department, and uh, I had an incident not that long ago where um, I showed up to one of the briefings, and I was there a few minutes early. I'd been with one of the, there were two units that were meeting together, and one of the units I'd worked with a lot. Um, the other unit, not so much. And we're sitting in this briefing, getting ready to start, and one of the guys from the other unit starts to talk in. And I'm telling you, every other word is a curse word. And he just wouldn't stop. And one of the other officers realized that he was doing this in front of me, so he's trying to cut him off, and he just, he waves at him like that, and he keeps going, and he's, he just goes on and on. Finally, he stops, and as a part of it, uh, he's talking about this lady who says she's just going to pray for him, and he says, that doesn't make any difference whether people pray, and he's going on and on, and finally, he he stops. He says, I know I'm not supposed to talk like that in front of everyday citizens, and of course, my response was, I'm going to make this as uncomfortable for you as possible. I'm not just an everyday citizen. I'm actually the chaplain for the police department, and you could see this guy all of a sudden, oh. Very embarrassed of, of what he was saying. But you know, that kind of language is actually fairly common among police officers. Uh, in the middle of a stop, they may be trying to get someone's attention, and simply by using a, an inappropriate word, it's almost as if there's somehow more authority behind it. You can't just tell someone to stop. You've got to use an extra word that would be inappropriate any other place. And there's this idea that you need something extra to have authority. But the truth is, I can stand up here today and I have authority without having to use all that extra stuff. Because Jesus Christ has given me authority and he is the one who enables me to speak. The word of God gives me authority to speak the truth of love and grace. I have an authority. I don't need all of that extra stuff already. And the same thing is true for every one of us. For we are individuals who are to be filled with the Spirit of God, and if the Spirit of God dwells in us, we ought to be able to speak with an authority that is very different from what the world has to offer. Just like Jesus preached with authority, unlike the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. See, the reality is we have something the rest of the world needs. It's hope, it's grace, it's an incredible kind of love. It's a peace that passes all understanding. And we ought to be people who bring that to them. The last part of our passage today says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I've seen some really ugly feet before. I'm not really a foot person, you know. I'm not one. Actually, I don't even like people to touch my feet all that much. Um. This is not referring to the physical attributes of the feet. This is referring to the fact that what these individuals do with their feet, they are using their feet to be able to go and to bring this news to a people that desperately need it. I told you guys that this next Saturday we're going to be up at the Clemson campus and we're going to be handing out information about the church and sharing the gospel with people and we're going to be just having fun and meeting them on their home turf. 
one of the problems the church has had for years is that we have operated on this principle that we will offer a great program. We will tell people about Jesus, but they're going to have to come to us if they're going to hear it. No, we need to go. We need to go to where they are and meet them and share the love of Jesus Christ with them. Beginning next Sunday night, we'll have a service that will take place up at Southern Wesleyan University. It's late. It's too late for me, but I'll be there anyways at 8.30 on Sunday nights because there's nothing else that goes on at SWU at 8.30 on Sunday nights. And we're going to go and we're going to be where they are. It's called Plan B. I'll tell you, Plan A, I wish every one of them would get up and come to church on Sunday morning. But you know what happens. Well-intentioned people sometimes sleep in on Sunday morning. So we're calling it Plan B, and we're going to have a time of worship and fellowship, and there's going to be times where there'll be testimonies, there'll be a gospel message, all kinds of great things that we do on Sunday mornings. It's an incredible blessing, but we're going to go where they are, and we're going to bring them the good news of Jesus Christ. And what I'm asking you to do is to take this hope and this joy and this peace and this forgiveness and all of the things that we often put on the front stage, allow the backstage to be made right in your life so that you can now bring those things to other people. Who are the broken people in your life that need Jesus Christ to come in and heal them? Who are the people who are so overwhelmed by their sin, feeling as if there is no hope, no way of redemption, that perhaps maybe you could be the one to introduce them to the love of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Will that be you? I'm going to ask you, if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you, Lord, our first desire today is to examine our own backstage, to examine where maybe we have allowed some things to exist, almost pretending that they're not there. Lord, I pray that you would cleanse us of our brokenness. Where there is brokenness, I pray that you would heal us. Where there is filth, I pray that you would cleanse us. Where there is sin, I pray that you would forgive us. Lord, I pray that every one of us, what people see on the outside, let it be the same as what's on the inside, but make the inside what it ought to be. Lord, I pray that you would make our hearts right with you. I pray specifically today that you would empower us to be your instruments, to go and to change the world around us. Allow us to have those beautiful feet that proclaim your good news and your hope and your joy. And I pray that you would use us in such a way that this community would become a different place because there was a group of people who truly were surrendered to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to refocus on you, help us to walk humbly with our God, allowing you to lead us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I mentioned earlier that next Sunday we're going to start a series that is going to be focused primarily on um, the things that you asked for, things that other people have asked questions about, and I'm really excited about it, and I really do hope that you'll come and be a part of that. Uh, we'll let Richard and his family, they get the free pass because they're going to be in Georgia. Uh, but 
Uh, the rest of you, I would love to have each of you there with us as we uh, do that. I do want to mention one announcement I forgot to make earlier. Uh, if you have not signed up for small groups or any of that stuff, if you've not identified a small group to be a part of, we would love to have you uh, at least look at those things, the, the options that are there. Uh, I think there's a list in your bulletin this morning, and uh, you can go on our website as well. But uh, we would love to have people get connected. I love you being connected on Sunday morning, but uh, it's really healthy for us to connect with each other beyond just Sunday morning. So uh, I'd love to have you guys do that as well. I do thank you for being with us this morning, and go in peace.